Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. All right, welcome to the show. Fifth Street Soccer, Nikki Brunkartik, Krishnaya with you today as we are every weeknight, 9 p.m. Eastern Time on the Sports Byline Broadcast Network and Sirius XM 211, Dan Patrick Sports, as well as American Forces and iHeart and TuneIn and all these other sorts of places that you can find us. But Kartik, a lot to talk about today. The Europa, uh, the uh, UEFA Super Cup final, of course, uh, Liverpool beating Chelsea in penalties. I want to talk about that match we uh, had some technical upgrades going on yesterday, and we were not able to get on the air. But Kartik, a very interesting match and very unlike the sort of performances we saw from these teams in the Premier League over the weekend. Yeah, it was a, it was a very entertaining match, end-to-end match. A lot of uh, opportunities for both teams, a lot of space, uh, maybe some poor defending, perhaps also um, teams that didn't really want to get stuck in because obviously they both have Premier League matches at the weekend. They have uh, Champions League group stage in front of them, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So, uh, but very entertaining match. I um, I enjoyed uh, some of the performances. I think we can talk a lot about uh, about Chelsea's players, a number of them bouncing back from the weekend, and Liverpool, the importance of Roberto Firmino. Uh, look, I, I love Ox, but uh, that change at halftime ma- uh, changed the match. Otherwise, Chelsea yeah. would have won in 90 minutes if Firmino hadn't been brought on. So wow. um, a great move by Klopp there, uh, and just, again, underscores the importance of uh, Bobby Firmino. Well, we're going to talk about that and more, of course, got La Liga and Bundesliga about to kick off. Let's take a look at that. And the drama surrounding one uh, very overrated player by the name of Neymar Jr. is going to uh, continue as apparently PSG just do not want to sell him as a point of spite, I believe. Something that I love because I think this guy's ego is uh, quite frankly out of control. We're going to talk about the Neymar situation when we come back. Where's he going to go? Is he going to stay? Is someone going to buy him? Or is he going to take a massive pay cut, as he said he's willing to do? Something, Kartik, I might add, that neither you nor I are willing to do on this show, which is take another massive pay cut and move to a different <laughs> network. Uh, all right, uh, Fistory Soccer, Nick Eber, Kartik, Krishna, where do you find us on Twitter? We are at Fistory Sports. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Fistory Sports. I'd like to say hi to Kerry, as I do on every show. But now it's time for break. So let's do that. We'll be right back to kick it all off. Don't go anywhere. All right. Welcome back to the show. Fifth Street Soccer. Nick and Kartik with you. The Neymar saga continues. He's still at PSG. He is training by himself, although apparently... Uh, this is part of a uh, predetermined training regimen. This isn't some sort of punishment for being a naughty, greedy little prick, which he is all of the above. Uh, but Neymar at PSG. Now, Barcelona have made a number of different offers. Uh, let's see, 92.4 million pounds plus one Philippe Coutinho, who I think cost him over 100 million uh, at the time. Um, I'm told they've offered uh, a deal... Uh, including um, PK, <coughs> pardon me, 
<coughs> involving um, a bunch of other players. Uh, Madrid put forward an offer. This is obviously not Barcelona, but Mid Madrid had offered money as well as Ga- Gareth Bale and Hamas Rodriguez. But, you know, like Barcelona's bid, that one was turned down. So what exactly are PSG holding out for, Kartik? I mean, how much more money can they hope to get from a player that, quite frankly, has flattered to deceive a little bit? Yeah, so my understanding is that they want Dembele and any deal from Barcelona is something that I think Barcelona would be would be crazy if they parted with Dembele at this point uh, a young player promising player a player that um, had a little bit you know has had some injury problems since moving over from Borussia to Dortmund but still a, a really uh, high-end player with a lot of upside uh, uh, and, and in Madrid they want Luka Modric and Vinicius Jr. Uh, Jr. again another young player a lot of uh, upside down. down the road so they they seem to want um, premium players and young players when you look at Vinicius Jr. Good, good, good. and Dembele. That's what they're looking for uh, in return for Neymar. Otherwise, um, maybe they're just going to spite Neymar and, and, and force him to stay. Uh, although, I, I just seem to think something's going to happen. We still have a couple of weeks left in, in the Europe. I, I, I don't think PSG... They may be playing a game of chicken here. I do not think they want to go through the season with this guy. Well, so uh, in their dressing room, around their camp, um, uh, having to be uh, dressing for matches, even if uh, uh, even if you sparingly use them. So my guess is, Nick, they will offload him, uh, but they're they're trying to extort the most value they can for him. The problem is, is that a lot of players don't necessarily want to go to PSG. I mean, you know, uh, on the flip side of it is, it's great to talk about who you can give him to, but but those players that you want to make part of this trade have to want to go to Paris Saint-Germain. And the French League is just not not a good one. I mean, there's just no other way to put it, really. I mean, if we're talking about La Liga or or Serie A, maybe, or the Bundesliga, I mean, yeah, that's one thing, or the Premier League, but we're talking about uh, La Liga, where there really is... I mean, not La Liga, pardon me. uh, We're talking about Liga 1, where there really is only, uh, you know, one team worth talking about uh, although there are some other decent ones don't get me wrong but i mean in terms of world-class leagues uh psg hope to stand a world apart from the other teams uh, it's an interesting situation and i think every day that goes by uh, neymar jr's value decreases because i quite frankly and have thought this for a long time think he's a highly overrated player uh, i don't put him in the pantheon of great players currently playing the game if i have to if I have to count top five, he ain't in it. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you on that. And I also uh, completely agree with the, the thought that players who are playing in La Liga or in Premier, Premier League, Bundesliga, Serie A, don't necessarily want to go to PSG unless um, they're at a lower profile club. I do not think guys who play for Real Madrid or Barcelona want to go to PSG for the most part. Uh, there, there are exceptions, but I think that's the case. And I don't think guys who play for Manchester United or, uh, or, or, or Liverpool, well, maybe Manchester United because it's been a mess, but Liverpool, Man City, uh, Arsenal, Spurs necessarily want to go to PSG unless they're going to get a huge um, uh, uptick in, the, in their uh, weekly well, wages. So, yeah, so I'm just saying I think it's going to be tough to convince any guy who's on the books right now at Real Madrid or Barcelona to be part of a swap team. Okay, let, let, let's play a game, Kartik. Let's pretend 
that you and I are top-level players playing in, let's just say the Premier League for right now, although obviously any one of uh, Italy, Spain, England, possibly Germany, okay, would count. So let's let's play the game. You are young, athletic, you got a you got a hot, you know, model, supermodel wife. Uh, you're driving that beautiful car. You're living in a great part of London, okay? And uh, your yep. team doesn't want you anymore. And you get a n- number of options. So let's rate the, the let's rate where you would like to go. If you are, let's just say you're not going to go stay in England. You're going to go to. Would you rather go to Italy? Uh, would you rather go to Germany, France, or Spain from a sporting perspective? Oh, from a sporting perspective, you'd rather go uh, to, to, to Spain first, uh, Italy, Germany, uh, after that, uh, France last. The only okay. thing... But hold on, hold on, okay. hold on, hold on. We're playing a game now. But your wife, who I know is in the other room, Kartik, she's going to have something to say about this, right? Because, uh, you know, maybe she's not so hot on going to uh, Germany. Weather's not so great there in the winter. Uh, it's not, you know, the beautiful sun of Spain or... Uh, the, you know, the, uh, the the fine dining of Italy. So maybe count Germany out of it, right? Yeah. Okay. So yeah, you're looking at Spain, you're looking at Italy, and then everybody else basically sucks after that, okay? So if you have to rate the leagues, this is where I'm going with this, okay? Uh, you would have to say the attraction of Spain and Italy for continental players is huge. Uh, England, obviously, for the quality of the league. Germany... You know, I, I just, I find Germany, I mean, look, I, I love the Bundesliga, by the way, great football, so no, no disrespect to, to German fans or fans of the Bundesliga or players in the Bundesliga. Um, it, it's it's not quite the league it used to be. It's not quite on par with England, Spain, and Italy anymore. It's an A-minus a league rather than an A-league, um, in my opinion, Kartik, and, and again, I, I may be wrong. But if that's the case, I mean, I'm going to England, Spain, Italy, uh, Germany, probably China before I'd want to go to France. I mean, let's just go to China and cash in on some money, right? Yeah. France is basically a league that has very young players, a lot of good African players who get who get moved out by the time they're 21 or 22. That's what that league's right. become. It's a, it's a feeder uh, league. And no disrespect intended to it. It serves a very important uh, uh link in in the chain uh, where uh, guys go through france in order to get to spain or england in particular uh but that's the league it is yep that's the league it is so it, it becomes difficult to attract players but look I, i'm with you i think i think at the end of the day neymar will go but whoever buys neymar is going to overpay for a highly overrated player my understanding is that in terms of barcelona uh, there is some pressure from within the team, most noticeably uh, PK, Messi, and Suarez want Neymar back. But, uh, you know, I, 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 don't, I don't know. I mean, if Neymar comes back into that lineup, I mean, how do you play all those players? How, how do you handle all that? Yeah, I mean, they bought Griezmann this summer, right? So yep. that's, that's the thing. If they hadn't, then he might... Uh, there might be a way to play him unless they're going to move Suarez out. But I don't think, I think Suarez has a couple more years in him. Uh, this just doesn't make any sense from a football standpoint for me. Uh, Barcelona, uh, however, I mean, we, we, maybe we'll get to this in the next segment, but I think within La Liga, Atleti is going to challenge Barca this season. So maybe they're thinking they need added firepower, but where they need more firepower is in the midfield. And if they swap out a Dembele or Coutinho, 
to get uh, Neymar. I think they might be going backwards, actually. Well, I mean, uh, and I think at some point you have to scratch your head and say, well, wait a minute, how exactly are they going to bring in Neymar and still stay on the right side of financial fair play? How does that work? That too, yeah. I mean, I don't understand that. How do you have Griezmann, Suarez, Messi, Coutinho, and you're okay with financial fair play? Something is very, very fishy there, Kartik. Yeah. They might really run a foul financial fair play. They're they or have not. to structure the deal in a certain way. Or, or not. You never know. They've managed to uh, stay clear of the financial fair play hammer up to this point. Of course, I think it's all a big Ponzi scheme, but that's just me, and I like to think of conspiracies. All right, Nick and Kartik, we're here with you Monday through Friday, 9 p.m. Eastern Time. We talk the beautiful game right here on the Sports Byline Network and Dan Patrick Sports Series XM211. Uh, we are going to take a break. In the meantime, you can listen to these great messages, or you can take this opportunity to visit the loo, whichever one you think is more appropriate. Either way, we will be back shortly. Don't go anywhere. All right, welcome back. Nick and Kartik with you. Uh, we're taking a quick run around the European leagues, obviously, uh, Germany and uh, Italy, uh, pardon me, Germany and Spain getting ready to kick off uh, really tomorrow. Uh, I believe uh, Barcelona have Bilbao, is that right, Kartik, is their yeah, opening correct. match? Yeah. Uh, Leo Messi won't be playing, he has a calf injury, um, but it'll be interesting to see. I I'm with you. The interesting thing for me this year in Spain is to watch Atleti to see if they can really, really put a dent in the big two i mean there really are a big three actually in spain i mean i think if you say there's not you're really doing a disservice to atletico madrid's performances over the last few years yeah they've been in two champions league finals in the last yep. five seasons and they've actually finished ahead of real madrid three of those five seasons in the table in reality real madrid has fallen off domestically now they continue to be uh beasts in europe obviously but um uh, Atleti has been uh, very competitive uh, in the league. They won La Liga a few years ago. Uh, they finished second each of the last yeah. two years. So um, we tend to think of uh, of a big two and then get surprised when we look at the table and there are three teams that are separated from the rest. Uh, but Atleti this season, I think, I think it's it's been uh, an accomplishment for them to finish second the last two seasons. This season, uh, with the uh, amount of spending they, they've uh, been able to uh, undertake with the new stadium, and the proceeds from that and, and all these deep European runs they've had. Uh, I would be disappointed if they didn't really push Barcelona for the title. I think they could very well win it. I'll be very exciting to see. Very exciting. Look, one of the really fun things, by the way, about the start of the Premier League season, um, because it starts earlier than the other European seasons, and they've changed the rules now, so the transfer window shuts uh, before the first match is played in the Premier League. Now, in Europe, it's different uh, in, on the continent because they will start these leagues and they haven't, think, I think, until the 2nd of September, uh, the window is still open. And I know it's frustrating for a lot of managers uh, to start with a team that may not be the team they finish up the season with. Um, but it is fun to see. But one of the great things about the closing of the window 
in England is you get to kind of hear some of the gossip and some of the uh, some of the goings on that went around the sort of transfer rumors. Some of the interesting ones that have come across is Marca reporting that uh, Paul Pogba is desperate to leave United uh, for Madrid uh, and is hoping to do so this summer. And actually, if I'm a Man United supporter, Kartik, that makes me feel real good because, uh, number one, you know this player is locked in for the season. He's not looking for a winter move uh, from United. And number two, you know he is under all sorts of pressure now to put some great performances out there to enhance his value. Yeah, nothing is more uh, of an aphrodisiac in a way uh, for players in the Premier League uh, than wanting moves to Real Madrid. We saw what Luka Modric yeah. did his last season at Spurs. Or same thing with Gareth Bale, same thing with Eden Hazard. So if I'm a Man United fan, I'm pretty fired up about that. Pogba had a very good game, yeah, first match of the season. And now if he's not going to move now, but he's going to move next summer and he wants a Real Madrid move and we know Zidane wants him badly, uh, he's going to be a motivated player all season long. And that might also be very good news for Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, who we assumed would be one of the first managers sacked this season. Maybe he makes it through the oh, season also. Yeah, I don't make that assumption, actually. I, I don't think United can afford to sack Solskjaer. If they didn't sack him after his, you know, when he went on that 17-game skid, after his 11-game, or however or have that worked, uh, I forget how many crappy games they had after his, after his miraculous start. Um, I, I don't see them firing him this season. I mean, they're building a team around him, and, and I can't see him going. Uh, for me, he is certainly not uh, a manager in the firing line. I, I tell you, there are a number of managers, and this is really off topic here, in the Premier League that may surprise you that I think might be, might be, might not last the season. And um, we can certainly spend a show talking about that. But in the meantime, speaking of Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, apparently he did sit down with Eriksson over a move to Old Trafford, but uh, apparently Ericsson said, uh, Christian Ericsson, he didn't want to go to Old Trafford. He also wanted to go to Spain. So there's another right. player at Tottenham that we know is in the same situation. Now, I don't think the interest from Spain was there. I know the interest from Spain was there for Pogba, but I'm not sure that Eric. I think Ericsson is one of these players. It's, it's, a, it's a good player, but not a great player. And I think, well, you know, and then maybe that's a little unfair. He is a great player, but he's not a pantheon of great players. If you know, if you know what I'm saying, he's yeah, an A, yeah, but no, not I an A+. plus. I think you're right. I mean, I think he's a very good player. I'm not even sure I would say he's a great player. I think he's a very uh, useful player, a tidy player that can that has some spectacular moments. We saw that for Denmark in World Cup qualifying. He got them to the World Cup uh, with his performances in qualifying. And for Spurs, when they need um, that stimulus, a, a club in Spurs that are always fighting to finish in the top four of the Premier League. You take a guy like that and you put him on Real Madrid or, or Barcelona where they're looking to win every trophy imaginable, I, I'm not quite sure he's at that level. Maybe yeah. I mean, maybe he'll go to Real Madrid and pro prove me wrong. Um, however, as you said, Real Madrid apparently wasn't very interested in him. His agent and him and uh, and his, his wor uh, working through the press have been trying to say, hey, come and get me. I'm here. Here, I want to go to Real Madrid. They're not that interested. So maybe that's another case like Pogba, especially motivated player this season in the Premier League. We saw him come off the bench with Villa ahead 1-0 at the weekend, um, and Spurs got three goals after Erickson came on. He had a lot large part a large hand in all of those goals yeah he's, so, a, he's a really good player 
He's a, he's a really, yeah. really good player. But, I mean, I thought there were large portions of last season where he wandered in and out of relevancy in terms of what yeah. was happening on the pitch. And, and that made me scratch my head a little bit. By the way, speaking of Man United, lots of Man United news coming out. Uh, Harry Maguire turned down £278,000 a week from your lot, Kartik, from Man City to join United. United were very, very busy, apparently, because they, uh, and I, I didn't know this, uh, but they rejected an eighty-two million pound bid. Uh, Napoli rejected an eighty-two million pound bid from United for Koulibaly uh, before the window closed. So United were hoping to bring in Maguire and Koulibaly, and that would have been really, really some really interesting defensive, uh, some defensive moves there for United. Yeah, Koulibaly is one of the. Uh two best center backs in the world, the other being Virgil van Dyke. So that would have been a, a, a pretty incredible move. I think Napoli is smart, though. He's probably, in this market, at least worth $100 million. At least. Yeah, maybe even more than that. Think about how much center backs are going for now and well, what let a me ask, there is on them. Well, let me ask you this. If United don't sell Pogba, how on earth, how on earth are they affording Harry Maguire and Koulibaly? Right. So I think that was probably also contingent on flipping Pogba at that moment, right? I, I suppose. Well, I don't know. I, I, I don't know that. I mean, I, look, I, I would like to see if we're going to have financial fair play, we need to have a score sheet at the beginning of each transfer window that says, you know, what these teams can and cannot buy in in terms of dollars because, you know, uh, and pounds and euros because I look at some of this and it makes no sense. Wait a minute. How much did they pay for Maguire? 80, 80 million? Yeah. You're going to pay 80 million for Maguire. You're going to pay 80 million, 86 million for uh, Koulibaly. I mean, it doesn't make any sense to me. I mean, what, how are you doing that and staying on the right side of financial fair play? I think with United, it's a little bit different because, um, and again, this is one of the flaws in financial fair play. So much of it depends on the commercial revenue you're bringing in. So uh, clubs like, uh, uh, like, uh, Manchester United, Bayern, uh, 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 Juventus, they'll never be on the wrong side of financial fair play because they bring in so much in commercial revenues and have huge stadiums. Uh, whereas the Milan clubs have had all kinds of trouble with financial fair play, both of them because they, they're in a municipal facility where they share the ground, they yeah. don't control the revenue. So now AC Milan has actually run so afoul of it, they've been banned from Europe this season. Um, which uh, gave Torino the spot in the Europa League, the last spot from uh, from Italy, because uh, uh, Milan has been banned. Yeah, I just, I mean, I, I scratch my head about how it is that they do that, especially when they're not in the Champions League. I mean, you know, two years, no Champions League. How do you do that and, and, and sign £170 million worth of new players and not move anybody off but but look uh, you know maybe that's a discussion for bob caldwell when we have uh, a bob back on the show uh but look we have just a few minutes left i want, want to get back to so, uh, on this segment uh, next segment i want to actually ask you a little bit about uh, the bundesliga because we spoke about a little bit about la liga let's talk a little bit about the bundesliga uh but we also have to give some time to this uh, European Super Cup final, or it wasn't really a final, it was just the European Super Cup, uh, and talk a little bit. Maybe some of our listeners don't quite understand Kartik. This is, this is not considered 
uh, a trophy worthy of, say, a double or treble if you combine it with other trophies because it's a one-off. But uh, of the Community Shield or the European Super Cup, the European Super Cup certainly has more cachet associated with it. Yeah. Uh, but this was a good match. This was a hard-fought match. And you saw a very different performance from Chelsea uh, than you did over the weekend. And also Liverpool looked really toothless without Firmino. Uh, why don't we start on that and we can pick it up on the other side of the break. Yeah, I thought that uh, Chelsea dominated the first half of the match. A really uh, good performance from Olivier Giroud. We know he can only, at his age, he can only give about 60 minutes. He looked right? great, by and the way. I thought he looked terrific. He looked terrific. He always does. I mean, yeah. this is the thing about Giroud that has made me wonder for years if Arsene Wenger just didn't know what he was doing at the end of his career because Giroud is a very direct player, right? He's good in the air, and Wenger liked to play with the ball on the ground. But yeah. uh, you see the kind of runs he could make yesterday. Um, and Giroud seemed to always come off the bench for Arsenal and score goals when they needed it. And now uh, he's doing the same for Chelsea. But uh, we'll pick that up on the other side. Yes, we will indeed. And speaking of the other side, we have to go there in just a minute. In the meantime, find us on Twitter, Fist Street Sports. Find us on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Fist Street Sports Talk. Uh, you can also uh, find us on one of our digital platforms, iHeart, TuneIn, or the award-winning SiriusXM app. And of course, a big hello to our men and women in uniform listening around the world on the American Forces Network. We love having you guys with us weeknights, 9 p.m. Eastern time. All right, we're going to head off to break. We'll be right back in three minutes. Don't go anywhere. All right, Nicky Kartik with you, Fifth Street Soccer. We were going to uh, talk a little bit about the Bundesliga, which is getting ready to uh, kick off. Kartik, uh, what are we looking forward uh, to in Germany? Yeah, I think this is a season where Borussia Dortmund can challenge Bayern Munich. Obviously, they, they took up to the final match day last year. Uh, this season, they've added Julian Brandt. Um, from uh, Bayer Leverkusen, one of the top German players, uh, and quite frankly, maybe Germany's best player at, the, at that failed World Cup of theirs in 2018. They've added Thorgan Hazard, who's Eden Hazard's brother. Um, Munich, on the other hand, has had all kinds of trouble. Generally, through the years, Bayern Munich has taken who they wanted, right, in the transfer yeah. uh, window from other German clubs. They've taken and they've cherry-picked players throughout the continent. Uh, they have not been able to do that this time. They didn't land... Um, their two top targets were both in England, Callum Hudson-Odoi and Leroy Sané. Both, strangely enough, got ACL injuries, um, and neither had been sold. So they've had to settle for uh, Ivan Perisic, who's actually a former Borussia Dortmund player who won two Bundesliga titles with Dortmund. I think this is a year Dortmund can really challenge um, Bayern. And the other thing I would mention, uh, Nick, I don't want to anger our all our – uh, are, are very uh, patriotic Yank listeners. But um, I do not think losing Christian Pulisic affects Borussia Dortmund at all. Uh, in fact, they reinvested that and got uh, in Brandt, I think, a better player and also got Hazard and, and brought Mats Hummels back to the club. Well, then they have Jordan uh, Sancho Pulisic there? last season was hit or miss with Dortmund, and there were a lot of matches where he was an unused sub or he came on for 10 or 15 minutes because of the inconsistency. And I think that also we saw in the European Super Cup. He was really good, but he'd been really bad at the weekend when he came on against uh, Manchester United. So 
I, I know um, the general American analysis would be, oh, they lost Pulisic. I don't think it matters. I think Dortmund wins the league this season. That would be um, that would be quite quite a surprise, but um, but maybe not. I mean, you know, the, he's been uh, um, they've been challenging for some time. Yeah, yeah, they've been uh, knocking on the door the last few seasons, and they can't get over the hump. Last season, they had an eight or nine point lead at, lead at one point, uh, and uh, and blew it. So that's the other thing. There's also the the mental aspect of challenging Bayern Munich in that league, and maybe not being able to get over the hump. Um, our, Looking forward to uh, the kickoff next, tomorrow, Bayern playing Hertha Berlin, uh, who also have had a good team, and Eintracht was very good last season, yeah. uh, and so was Bayer Leverkusen. Uh, looking forward to listening to our, our good friend Keith Costigan calling the matches. I tell you what, um, I like the Bundesliga. It's not my favorite league, the Premier League is, but Costigan has made me like that league even more, Nick, because he's so good. He's really good. Uh, he calls a game perfectly, and uh, perhaps a lot of our listeners don't know that if they don't watch Fox, uh, but I think he's the best in the business on this side of the Atlantic. He's very good. I mean, there's no doubt about that. Keith's very good. By the way, um, talking about Borussia Dortmund, uh, you, you talked about Pulisic leaving and it not really having an impact. I mean, I mean, Borussia Dortmund turned down a lot of big money offers from England for, to bring Jaden Sancho home, and they turned oh, them all yeah. down. Yeah, I mean, they turned them all down. And that's the guy, really, that took a lot of... Uh, Pulisic's uh, playing time. Right. And that's a guy I think Manchester United wanted very badly. Uh, and I, Pulisic, uh, uh, like Dembele, and now uh, Sancho, is a uh, wide attacking player that Borussia Dortmund has developed rather quickly at a young age. So yeah. that's something very exciting when you think about Borussia Dortmund, that they keep producing these guys. Dembele, we talked about earlier, is the guy that PSG is holding out for in the Neymar swap, potential Neymar swap. Uh, that's something about Dortmund that now maybe they've just gotten lucky and hit on a couple guys, but they seem to be the premier club for developing really good, talented, fun, exciting uh, wide players. Well, we will find out what happens, but uh, that is Germany. That is about to kick off. Uh, La Liga, we mentioned, about to kick off. Uh, but let's go back to the European Super Cup. Uh, uh, you know, I, I'm wondering, you, we'd mentioned before the break that once Bobby Firmino came on, I mean, all of a sudden, the creativity's there. Don't forget, by the way, what a difference having Sadeo Mane. I mean, everyone talks about Mo Salah and what a great player he is, and, and we'll all agree how great Mo Salah is. But I think Sadeo Mane actually takes a back seat in terms of uh, pr uh, publicity and, 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 uh, and popularity to Salah, but I actually think he's a more impactful player. I think he's a more complete player. And he's a player, uh, and, and I admitted this to a friend of mine yesterday, and he, got, he had both goals yesterday. And after that, I admitted it to this friend of mine that when he got bought from Southampton, uh, in 2016, one of, and Jurgen Klopp's uh, first summer window, I thought, my gosh, this guy's such a selfish player. Uh, and I saw him at Southampton. He scored a lot of goals, but I thought he was a selfish player. He's turned into the ultimate team guy. Uh, he makes unselfish runs. He plays unselfish balls now. And he has – this is a statistic that I think is going to blow uh, some of our listeners away. He has scored double-digit goals in five successive seasons in the Premier League. As a wide player, yeah. he's never deployed centrally. He's not a number nine. 
Uh, that's a remarkable return. I mean, there are very few players in the recent history of the Premier League that have scored that many goals from from that sort of position on the pitch. I would say uh, uh, Ryan Giggs comes to mind. Yeah, right. Uh, and for a couple of years, actually, the American, Clint Dempsey, did that with Fulham, double-digit goals, playing uh, out wide. And uh, But it, it's very rare. So Mane is in the historic pantheon of wide players in the Premier League in the elite class uh, because we forget what he did at Southampton before he came to Liverpool. Well, I mean, he is terrific. Didn't he share the uh, scoring honors uh, last season with uh, Salah yes. as well? I mean, they they were right up there, right? There were three of them that split it last season. The Golden Boot. Who was it? It was uh, uh, wasn't it three of them that split it last season? Aguero. Uh, Aguero. Was it yeah. Aguero or Sterling? One of them, and then Mane and uh, Salah. But I felt like Mane's goals were more impactful than Salah's goals. So maybe uh, sometimes goal scoring could be. Uh, can be deceptive. I mean, every goal matters, right? But it seemed like Mane got critical goals at critical moments for Liverpool last season. Not not that Salah didn't, but there was a long period of the season where it looked like Salah having uh, uh, gone through uh, uh, the, uh, the 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 ringer in the eighteen in the uh, previous season, best player in, uh, arguably in the world for a year, and then uh, got hurt in Champions League final, had to rush back for the World Cup. It, it, there was a period of last season where it seemed like. He was pretty knackered and, and out of gas, and he came good at the end of the year. But Mane really, along with Firmino, had to carry Liverpool in that period. Well, what I was getting to on this game, uh, after we got sidetracked a bit on a very interesting discussion about Sadeo Mane, um, was that you know he played Oxley chamberlain instead of Firmino, and they just were it just wasn't there. And you know we talked about Ox coming back and being like a new signing for Jurgen. But I'm not sure that Klopp knows fully how to put him into the system that he plays in the way that he wants to, uh, short of being a super sub. And uh, it's going to present an interesting dilemma. I think we can say that if Liverpool's big three, uh, Salah, obviously, uh, uh, Firmino and, uh, and Mane stay fit, and Van Dyke doesn't, you know, have a comet fall on his head because I think that's about the only way we could he he would not play a game. Uh, I think they will be, you know, neck and neck right there with with City the whole way. If, however, one of those players uh, has a, a problem, I think that uh, you know we may have to reevaluate. Ox is kind of like Lalana in Klopp's system before Lalana got injured, and he hasn't come the same. He hasn't returned to the to the form he had before his injury. That uh, they're they're kind of these players that you would play as kind of a number ten, yeah. maybe right b- behind two strikers. But in Klopp's four three three, there is no such position. Right. So you either have to play Ox or Lalana wide, or you have to play them in the midfield, and the midfield requires dynamic midfielders like Fabinho, Keita, and Vinaldum who can get and Henderson who can get right. uh, box to box. So uh, yeah, it just seems like a, the wrong system. Maybe for Oxley Chamberlain, but I think he could be an important reserve player uh, for this Liverpool team. And and uh, I felt bad for him. Got hauled off at halftime, uh, and the match changed. Uh, but that first half, Chelsea had the best of the uh, of the play, and I, I was uh, really impressed. And I know you 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 uh, you followed him when he was at Napoli since since you followed Napoli. But Jorginho may have had his best game as a yeah. Chelsea player. I don't remember him playing this well last season. No, he was terrific. I thought he was terrific. Look, um, all the Chelsea players w- w- were pretty good. I mean, I, look, I-, I think, first of all, that was a, a really iffy penalty call. It went through VAR, so I'm not suggesting it wasn't a penalty. But, uh, you know, I-, I question the rules that resulted in the penalty call. It just seemed yeah. 
uh, it seemed that uh, what's the keeper's name? Adrian. I don't think Adrian. I, yeah. I don't think Adrian committed a foul there. I think Abraham was looking for contact. Yeah, I think and, Tammy and Abraham Smartly was too. Went down yeah. pretty easy. Yeah, but, but I mean they reviewed uh, Adrian, it. Adrian, by the way, had a very good game. He certainly but, did. Uh, as, he certainly did. But I have to say, Kartik, I, I worry about Liverpool defensively. I think you can see how important Allison is, not just to stopping goals, but to helping organize the defense with Van Dyke. I think the two of these guys work well together, and I think when one of them is gone, they're not quite the same as you would like. I mean, certainly Liverpool conceding what three goals in their last two games. I mean, this is a this is a team that was barely conceding half a goal a game last season. So, uh, you know, you have to look at that statistic. Uh, the other side of it, of course, was it was a great win. It was a great win for Liverpool. But if you want to go to the the Chelsea side of the equation, um, I am a little concerned about Chelsea's ability to finish. That gets me a little worried uh, at times. Uh, I think some of their younger players need uh, are a lot younger than maybe we thought they were, like Tammy Abraham. I mean, they're good, but they're just not yeah. necessarily showing some of the maturity. I think that maybe is going to be a little problematic. You and I have discussed David Luiz leaving. I mean, that was just ridiculous. You know, But the one thing that struck me was the vitriol from supporters towards this female referee, by the way, Kartik. We, we, we didn't even talk about this. But, I mean, there's been so much negative press about it. I actually thought she did a good job. I thought she had a really good game. I'm, I'm actually very surprised to hear the vitriol. Actually, I'm not because we know how supporters are. But Yeah, yeah, they're, uh, they're misogynistic pigs. We know that, yeah. Yeah, right. And we, when we, and I thought that the Lions uh, women had had very a very good game. Also, I would point out about Chelsea's young players. Abraham looks like he's he's very raw and lacks confidence. Mason Mount, who I loved last season, the championship has picked up where he left off. Looked very good in both these matches, but maybe he does. You know, he he has an opportunity where. Uh, he finishes, but he's a he's a step offside. That's part of the the youth of Chelsea. We saw so many times uh, uh, those two players, young players, Pulisic yeah. and Mount, get caught in offside positions. What did you think of Pulisic's game? Oh, I thought he was very good. I mean, we know, uh, and I saw this at Dortmund. He's very good in stretch games where um, there's not much defending going on. But what I also noticed at Dortmund is when he closed down space and he has to make decisions quickly, he gives the ball away uh, fairly easily, which is what he did again in the in the Man United game. He didn't do it yesterday because Liverpool's defending was somewhat optional in the first half. But um, it was horrible. I thought horrible, he was very good and beautiful ball for that uh, for that goal for Giroud. Uh, also, so impressed by Pedro. I mean, he's a guy that. Um, infamously I compared favorably to Neymar a few years ago when they were both at Barcelona and people thought I was crazy. Well, you know what? I own that comment five years later uh, because I think he's had a better career than Neymar. And I think he's still, he, I'd rather have him on my team. And he, he had a good game for Chelsea yesterday again. Yeah. Interesting. In interestingly enough, Kartik, neither you nor I are big Neymar fans. And um, no, <laughs> no we're not. It, I, I don't know why. Well, I mean, I just know what I see. Versus what, you know, I hear the hype, the reality versus the hype. And you compare Neymar to any other of these impact players. And for me, he just doesn't compare. All right, we have to go to break because we are the impact pundits. We are the impact <laughs> radio hosts here. That's you and I. And we compare favorably, if not better, to any others out there because this is the worst, most widely distributed soccer show in America. You're listening to it for Street Soccer. We'll be right back after this. You're clear.
Welcome back. Nick McCarthy with you. Just a couple minutes left. Uh, tomorrow, we have Bayern Munich versus Hertha Berlin. And we have uh, in Spain, uh, La Liga's kicking off with Athletic Bilbao against Barcelona. And by the way, in the championship, Fulham are going to play Huddersfield Town. Uh, Fulham, oh gosh, they are a cautionary tale these days. But let's stay in. <laughs> uh, let's stay in uh, Spain and Germany. Uh, give me your predictions for tomorrow's uh, visit to Bilbao by Barcelona. I think Barcelona gets through this, uh, maybe two to one, but it will be a, a, a tough match. All right, and in Germany, uh, Hertha Berlin going to Bayern Munich. You think Bayern yeah, is going to uh, start up with three just, points? Yeah. yeah, they'll start with three points. They'll start with a bang. They'll win 3-0, I'm thinking, or 3-1, uh, even though I have said now that they are not going to win the league this year, but I do think they will win this match. By the way, speaking of La Liga, did I hear that they renewed with Bein Sport? Yeah, and, and so uh, just real quickly, I know we're running out of time. This is the reason why I will probably be watching the Bundesliga match tomorrow. They, those two matches are at the same time. There's also Fulham Huddersfield which I'll have on my iPad on ESPN+. Plus. It, it is the La Liga is a brilliant league. It, it's the second best league in the world, in my opinion, behind the Premier League. But um, it's on BN. They have uh, limited their own exposure by doing this. And leagues like the Bundesliga and Serie A, which are on mainstream channels, are more accessible. And it's much easier for me to sit and watch the Bundesliga. Renewing with BN does a lot more damage than it does good. Yeah, that's what I think too. But uh, listen, we'll talk about it some more. We'll be back with you tomorrow. And tomorrow, our Premier League preview show, you want to stay tuned for that. We've got some great matches in the Premier League coming up this weekend, including a huge Etihad match between Tottenham and Manchester City for the, shall we say, uh, the headlining, headlining act on the weekend. We'll give you all of our predictions and prognostications tomorrow, 9 p.m. Eastern. Hope you'll join us then. In the meantime, have a great night. Hi, this is Ron Barr. If you like insightful, interesting sports talk and interviews with the biggest names in sports, then join us for Sports Byline USA, coming up next on the Worldwide Sports Byline USA Network. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.